Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dylan Murray. I am here with Alex Richardson. Welcome to the Victory Through Guts podcast. Today, uh, you know, I'm a very smart man, and I'm so smart that the episode, the classics episode, episode 44, or 42, that we were supposed to watch, only had three matches, and one of them we can't watch because I'm saving it for a later date. So basically, I completely fuck shit up. We Today, we have two AJW matches. We have two JWP matches. Um, not much happened in these shows, I would say. Right, Alex? I mean, kind of, but... Yeah, the, the AJW one was really weak without the main event. Um, I, I was hoping we would review that and it would save the show, but it really didn't. And JWP stuff was fun, but I don't know if it was just the, the mood I was in earlier or what, but I didn't, I wasn't like super into them, even though I recognized they were good matches, you know? Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. The reason why we couldn't watch the third one was because that was the main event from WrestleMania Pad. And the plan is for us to watch the entire show because it's up on YouTube. We're going to watch that in October or November. Um, oh, November, actually, because next month's October. So that was our plan. And I didn't want to just like jump around like that because like that's a big it's a big deal. Like, you know, anticipate WrestleMania Pad 2 because that's going to be a big deal for us and i didn't just want to like watch the main event it's really a shame that the first two matches from ajw were not as good as i wanted them to be the the first match we'll get which we'll get into was pretty good but the second match really under delivered um first match let's just go right into it was aja kong versus bonacano their first cage match on september 1st um it was a non-title match it was in saitama which is bonacano's hometown so out of the ordinary, Bonacano was loved in this building, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I mean, they set her up as the babyface in the match as well, which we'll get into. But uh, it was definitely about all about her while Aja played the heel. Yeah, um, you know, it was the first recorded cage match for Bull and Aja, Aja Kong. Um, she would have a few more cage matches, obviously, but Bonacano would sort of become known for her cage matches in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of a weird match. It made me excited for the next one, but I'd say as a standalone match, it was a bit eh. Like I said, crowd was very strongly behind Bull. Um, she was getting really into it. Like usually, you know, Bull's very you know like mensing and like just aggressive, and she screams a lot. But she was just like jumping around, like she was excited because the crowd was so behind her. And you know that that's never been the case for her in like her entire career because. You know, she was in the Atrocious Alliance, and now she leads Gokumanto, and it, she has never was really, like, one to be cheered very frequently. So when she was, she really she really got behind it. Um, And, and you know, it's funny because you, you hear her interviews, like, nowadays, and she'll say that it's like she always wanted to be a babyface. That was always what she wanted to do. But, you know, they, they said, no, you're going to be you're going to be this. You're going to be the heel. You're going to be the bad guy. You're going to be the big bad guy. And she just did it and she did it better than anybody else. But she always wanted to be a babyface. And you can really see that here. Um, yeah, the match was fine. At one point, um, Aja ate the Thunderfire powerbomb and she just got up. And up to this point, the Thunderfire was the was Bull's finisher. So I I feel like finishers have been getting eaten very frequently lately. Same thing with Akira Hokuto and the, the missile dropkick um, last month where she just, or the other month, where she just 
hit it and then she hit the Northern Lights bomb and then Manami kicked out. Like, like I feel like finishers are getting sort of like uh, amped up at this point. So it's it's not as they're not as useful. I don't know. I don't know how to word that. Would you agree? Um, yeah, I feel like it's it's a shift maybe towards the more like uh, developing super finishers, as we'll see with Bull and Akira. They both kind of debut new moves that are are way better as finishers. Um, and like Bull, even like we'll see it coming, but she pulls out a moonsault in a few matches to win. So I think that was maybe it. They were kind of like, right, there's no more, you know, basic finishers to win matches. Like the top, top stars will have like super finishers to to pin each other with. Yeah, that's true. There hasn't been a lot of, we haven't seen a lot of the finishers that we will grow to know over the years in 1990, you know, with Akira Hokuto's, um, you know, Northern Lights Bomb, we saw it once and her uh, Dangerous Queen Bomb, you know, those two haven't really like made a big appearance yet. Same with the the Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex, the Queen's Landing, if you will. Um, <laughs> you know, like there's there's a lot of moves that like we haven't seen yet, but will become very very important as time rolls on. Um, the th- a theme of this match, there were pretty much two, I would say, um, other than you know like uh, shots with bins and like nunchucks, whatever, all those stuff. Um, there was two real themes here. Aja Kong was focusing on Bonacano's thigh the entire match because she had a really big cut on her thigh and she would just hit her in the thigh repeatedly. And that was very unique. Like you don't usually see people focus on the thigh of all places. It's usually like the knee or the ankle or the, the shoulder or the neck, whatever. But like the thigh is a very specific but interesting like focal point of this match. And other than that, um, the ref, do you know who the ref was? Because he looked like he was important. Or was he just? It was Gato. Wait, really? Believe it or not? Yeah, Bulldog KT. I fucking hate Gato. Ruins everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, even back in 1990, he was a fucking shit stain. What the fuck? Okay, so basically, um, Gato was just a shitty referee, and Aja and Bull just kept beating him up, and then he he stopped Bull from winning for some reason, even though Aja was also like just beating the shit out of him. Like I like I don't know. Like how would you describe it? Cause oh my it's fucking ghetto. Of course it is. Ah <laughs> uh, yeah, how would you describe it, Alex? Yeah, he was I, I think he was the heel throughout the match because I noticed like uh Aja would use her bin a lot and then whenever Bull would go to use a weapon he'd take it off her. So I felt like they were playing up that he was biased against Bull throughout the entire match. And then for the finish, he was just clearly in her way, pulling at her leg, preventing her from stopping Aja from getting out, which, I mean, it protected Bull and it built their bigger match down the line. So I guess he was a necessary evil. But uh, I don't know if, like, this, like, I don't know. There's no canon there. Like, he's not aligned with Aja. I don't know if he ever even shows up again. So it was kind of weird. He was a necessary evil. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one, I know. But it also sort of made Aja not look great. Like, I know that, that they have to protect Bull, 
but they could have done that by Aja just escaping the cage and not beating her. Because you notice throughout this match that their cage matches aren't pinfall. They are knockout or escape the cage. So if she just didn't knock her out and escape the cage, you know, like, like just out of the skin of her teeth, I think that would have done the same amount as having fucking Ghetto ruin the end of the match for me like i don't know i think i think once you told me that was ghetto it sort of made me even more annoyed about it because of course it was fucking ghetto but yeah you know it was it was a, it was an enjoyable match i enjoyed it but um more than anything it made me excited for their next cage match because you know that's the famous one that we will get into in in due time second match that we have was a sad one because mitsuko nishiwake retired um, it was her retirement match. It was her versus Yumika Hoda. The last time Fire Jets will ever share the wrestling ring. And there wasn't much to the actual match, unfortunately. I was expecting a lot more. Um, it felt very short, and it didn't even seem like they cut anything. It just felt like there was just like not much to the match. It was, you know, a good exhibition, I would say. But nothing more than that, right? Yeah, like I'm pretty sure it only went like six minutes, and it was just kind of the two of them running through their normal spots. Like you had Ota doing the kicks, you had Nishiwaki doing her, you know, her running the ropes and doing the the sling blade thing f- for her comeback, and then she just kind of hits her power bomb out of nowhere and wins. Um, it yeah, was that's definitely a bit weird. That's also something that um somehow some way Mikahota figures out a way to lose in her opponent's retirement match. Like who? Like that? What? Like how? Like she's like, like you go out on your back. That's like the entire. That's the entire. Re- like that's the premise of professional wrestling. You go out on your back, unless you're the Undertaker. Then you go out on a motorcycle. But you go out out on your back, and Nishiwaka was just like, "Nah, I'm gonna hit you with some power bombs, and then I'm gonna win in six minutes." How's that feel, bro? And that was it. Um. So yeah, Yumika Hoda, you know, she 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 can't buy a win because that's Yumika Hoda for you. But after the match, um, the Fire Jets embrace. Mitsuko gives her retirement speech. I didn't I didn't understand it because it's Japanese, but it was it was nice. Um, she received her ten count, and if you if you know me, you know that um, the ten count, the retirements, always hurt like me personally because it just like. I always get upset, regardless of what it is or who it is or whatever. You know, Leo Onozaki, um, she retired and I shed a tear because I was like, I'm sad now. You know, like like anybody, like retirements just really make me upset. And even though this was 30 years ago, I did indeed shed a single tear um, while she was receiving her 10 count. And yeah, that's the end of Mitsuko Nishiwake in professional wrestling. We sort of ran through these first two matches really quickly, but quite frankly, there wasn't a lot to talk about in them. But to talk about about the retirement a little bit more, um, we we often talk about the class of '85, right? We talk about Kira Okuto, Suzuka Minami, Yumika Hoda, and Mitsuko Nishiwake. Um, but we never really noticed this. I, I think I informed Alex of this a couple of weeks ago that the fifth member of the class of '85 was Grizzly Iwamoto, the Grizzly one. And so what's also sort of upsetting is that she also silently left the ring around this time. So we will not see her in a wrestling ring again on our trip through Victory Through Guts. Um, 
so yeah, that's sort of sad. From from five to three, my favorite my favorite dojo class is is dwindling, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's it's kind of strange that the two of them left after five years. You know, like the standard is ten, and I checked it. Like Nishiwaki wasn't even the age of retirement when she left. Like she was twenty three. She could have wrestled for another two or three years. Um, so it's it's kind of disappointing that both of them left, but especially because, like as we know, AJW would like blow up again within a few years, and they kind of missed that phase. Um, but thankfully, the other the others they stayed strong. You know, Kira Hokuto went on to become like just one of the best ever. So and you take take the good with the bad. That's true, and um. One possible thing about it is that Grizzly was very close with Dump. Like, she was, like, immediately picked up from Dump Matsumoto, like, a couple months into her career. She was, like, Dump was, like, you are the, you're the girl. So, it's very possible that the first three years she was under Dump's tutelage, and then after that she sort of dwindled, even though her and, and, you know, after that she was a tag team with Bison, and they were very... You know they were good and they they worked out very well. And then now that Bison and Bull and like there was that split in Gokumanto, um, it's very possible that she just didn't feel like there was a place for her. Um, or even if the office didn't feel like there was a place for her, that's also possible. Um, but either way, it's really sad because you know Grizzly is very good, and I always you know I feel like she's one of the most underrated stars of the late '80s for AJW. Um, you know it's 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 sort of sad. A little bit of background on what they went on to do. Um, neither woman ever did make a return. You know, usually retirements are quote unquote retirements in professional wrestling. Somebody always makes a return, but neither of them did. Um, Nishiwake went on to marry Kayo Hiroyuki, who is a legendary Ozeki. I don't know if I've, if I've said this on the podcast, I've talked to Alex about before. Um, he's a legendary Ozeki in the world of sumo. He was, I think the longest reigning Ozeki in modern history, which an Ozeki is basically the top rank you can get without becoming a Yokozuna. And a Yokozuna is like legendary, like never be beat, like god of sumo. So he was an incredible sumo wrestler. He retired in 2011. They got married in 1999. Not much information other than that on her recently. Um, as for the Grizzly one, um, she became a dom- dominatrix. Hmm. Like like okay. a, like a shoot a shoot doc, dominatrix, yeah. Uh, you know, there are there are places you can you could see that if you want to, but I think that's I think it's best if we just leave it at that for her. Um, they will both be missed by me and Alex because they were very very vital parts of this show. Um, you know, Nishiwake, Fire Jets, Fire Jets will go down in history as one of my favorites. You know, I I didn't know much about Nishiwake before. We started this, but then once I started watching it, I was like, holy shit, Fire Jets rule. And, you know, Grizzly, like I always say, I love the Outsiders. Um, Grizzly and, and Bison, they could have been so much, but, you know, things weren't meant to be. You have any, any parting words for our two retirees? Um, Yeah, I mean, both, both will definitely be missed. I think it's, I'm kind of disappointed more for Grizzly that she missed out on kind of the huge feud that would spawn between uh, Bull and Aja. Like she got replaced with, I think, Kyoko in a way. And, you know, you you just know that was meant to be Grizzly's spot. So she could have been involved in one of the, the headlining feuds of the company. 
before her retirement, so it's kind of disappointing that we never saw her in that role, because I never thought Kyoko matched the aggression that the other three had, to be honest. Yeah, and it's definitely a case of, you know, familiarity, where it's like, Grizzly was there. You know, she was there for the Atrocious Alliance. She was there for Gokumanto. She was, you know, she was always, she was Bison's partner. She she had that energy. And no disrespect to Kyoko Inoue, she's one of the best, you know, one of, one of the most underappreciated wrestlers from the boom period, in my opinion. Um, but she was definitely not in the position to fill those Gokumanto boots. You know, I mean, she wasn't she wasn't there yet. I think that the matches do end up being pretty enjoyable regardless, you know, just because Bull and Aja are growing this like, you know, it's it what what they're doing is hot. You know, it's very, very big. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't suffer. But I do really wish that I could have seen more Grizzly than what we got to see. And, you know, Nishiwake, I feel like Yumika Hoda sort of like um just like goes through the motions for a bit so maybe if if nishiwake stayed it would have been better but at the same time i feel like you know to say what if in in regards to a retirement always makes you sadder than when you started so maybe that's the it's best if we move on from that right yeah for sure Okay, so next is the JWP matches, because like I said, I am a very smart man, and I didn't know what to schedule. We watched these literally a few hours ago, because um, I, I, I just found them, like, last night, and, you know, I watched them. And they were both very good. Um, how do you feel about the overall, because this is the best of 1990, quote-unquote, the best singles matches from 1990. Um, if you want to watch them, they're up on my YouTube channel. Dylan Murray, go ahead. And, you know, we already watched the Shinobu Kandori versus the Harley Saido match, which was in it. And we both love that. It's high contender for my match of the year for 1990. I don't know about yours. I'm sure it is. Um, so, yeah, you know, we already watched that one. So we, I came into this with pretty high expectations. Um, and they, they weren't, they weren't, I mean, they weren't as good as, as the Harley Saito Kandori match, but these were definitely solid matches, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they're they're pretty good, and I think if you put them up against any of AJW's high-end single matches, like they, they definitely uh, hold up to to what AJW is putting out. Um, you can definitely see, though, that the, the house style of JWP was just so good at the time, and definitely a couple of years ahead of AJW. So like all three matches, even though like the the two we watched today aren't like all time greats, they're still like really good, enjoyable matches. Um, and that's kind of what JWP was able to produce at the time, given just how the house style was. Like it was that mix of wrestling with the influence of Kandori and Kazama to make it more realistic, you know, which is always interesting. Yeah, and. You know, first match that we watched was Miss A versus Del Masami. Miss A, of course, better known as the great Dynamite Kansai. Um, I just wanna, I just wanna geek out about Dynamite Kansai real quick, cause I think that she is literally one of the best at what she does. Because I watch her matches and they are so formulaic, but they consistently entertain me and they consistently like pull me in. 
it's like you know what a miss a or a dynamite consign match is going to be you know where it's like there's there's like she's good she's technical she kicks you a lot there's all that stuff there's a lot of submissions there's a lot of power submissions you know there's a lot of boston crabs there's a lot of scorpion death locks there's a lot you know there's a lot of that but it maintains a certain level of intensity regardless that i think that she is among the best at what she does um i remember when i was watching back a few months ago i was like dynamite kansai will just hit you kick you powerbomb you put you in a submission for five minutes pile drive you put you in the submission for five minutes pile drive you again put you in a submission for four minutes and then beat you and i'm just like it sounds on paper like it shouldn't be as good as it is you know it's like she is absolutely amazing um i just had to get that out of the way i'm sure you agree because i know that you're pretty big on kinsai too yeah I, I approve this message i definitely like there was a spell in the middle of the 90s where she was definitely in the conversation for the best in the world uh unfortunately like physically her style did take a toll on her long before it did on a lot of people so her kind of peak was a lot shorter but i mean she delivered so many great matches that i hope we get to watch uh, as we go along not just singles matches but there was a tag feud with Imada and Toyota, I think, where she she won the belts with Ozaki. That is was just really good. So definitely, I I think she was just one of the best of her time. And as you said, like her matches never changed up all that much, but she was so good at what she did, and her kicks were just so there's just so much force in them that it you're just always interested. You're always watching what she's doing. Yeah, and you know. Like you said, it does. It did take a toll on her. So like her, her peak and her, you know, her burst of greatness wasn't as as long winded as say somebody like um, Minami Toyota or Kirohoka or whatever. But she did last a very long time. She ended up not retiring until 2016. Um, it's just you know at at that point she was very much not the same competitor as she was in you know 92, 93, 94. But, you know, she, she did last a while, and I am sure we will get to see a lot of her as time goes on. But this match, it was her against Devil Masami. Devil is not to be understated. She is very, very good. Um, she's great at what she does again. In this match, she worked from underneath, which I was not expecting. Um, this was very much a Dynamite Kansai match, a very much Miss A match. Even early on in her career, uh, Miss A had... Amazing attire. I absolutely loved her fit. She she always always had dope dope shit that she was wearing, you know. Um, and yeah, this match was was like I said, a formulaic Dynamic Consign match. Very enjoyable. Um, you could tell that she wasn't as good as she once or how she, as she will be eventually, but she still is very good. You know, like she's she's still at that level where she's extremely good. Um. At one point in the match, there was a really neat like sequence where um, Devil put Miss A in a Romero special, and um, Kansai. I, I keep mixing up Miss A and Kansai because it's easier to say Kansai, but all my notes say Miss A. So Miss A and Kansai are the same person, just so everybody knows. And 
Yeah. Um, basically, Kansai grabbed the top rope and vaulted out of the ring, out of the Romero special. And I don't know why it just looked so slick and so cool when she did it that I thought I would I would point it out. I, I thought it was amazing. Um, yeah, like I said, Devil worked from underneath, which I didn't expect because usually Devil's like the super heel. Like, wasn't her name like super heel Devil Masami at one point? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, for a while she was the the super heel devil, which which is so which is so cool. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like that's something that we talk about very frequently is that Joshi names rule back in the day. You know, like like Combat mm-hmm. Toyota to this day is one of the dopest names. Dynamite Kansai, like come on, Devil, Devil, Super Heel Devil Masami, come on, it's great. I absolutely love I absolutely love Joshi wrestling names. But yeah, she was working from underneath. Um, which is very weird, but you know, Diamond Kansai knows how to be on offense, and she knows how to how to do that, how to make it interesting. So I appreciate it regardless. At one point, Devil hit a pile driver, and it was a kneeling pile driver. You know, like oh, a, yeah, a tombstone, yeah. a reverse Christ, tombstone. That was so bad. Yeah. Oh man. And I just looked at it, and I was just like, "What? What are you doing? Like, you can't just do that. Like, it's not." But yeah, it was it was it was dope. Um, you know, like like that that's the thing about Joshua Esther, they do not give a fuck sometimes. Um But yeah, you know, not not a ton to say about this match. Miss A ended up pinning Devil Masami after a late kick out on a German suplex, meaning Devil got her shoulder up after the three, so Miss A wins. Um yeah, like I said, I cannot stress enough how great Dynamite Kansai is. I think that she consistently her fundamentals is what I put. Her fundamentals are consistently impressive and enjoyable, regardless of who she's facing. And yeah, I really look forward to seeing more of her matches. How do you how do you feel overall about this? Um, yeah, the match I was maybe expecting more because from whatever I've seen of JWP Devil Masami, it's usually the no fucks given heel power wrestler. Whereas in this match, she was still very much in her AJW babyface phase where she she would work matches a bit more underneath. There'd be, you know, the the heel getting heat on her. Um, but even then, like, she's still just so good at what she does. But she will definitely grow as a performer again to kind of refine that flame she had as a heel. Um, and I mean, she just goes on to become one of the best, like, power wrestlers of the next decade plus. So I, I I was expecting more of that Devil Masami, but what we got was kind of like tail end AJW Masami, um, which I guess played to the strengths of Miss A, and that it allowed her to work on top and use her strikes and submissions to kind of control the match. Um, so yeah, while it it maybe didn't live up to the high expectations I had set, that was mostly just me not realizing that Masami was still the babyface at this point. Which, I mean, I get, because if I had Devil Masami in my promotion, I'd probably have her as a babyface too, because, you know, she was a big name for AJW in the early 80s, and for a new promotion, like, she she was a huge get for them. And her unretiring to go to JWP really changed the game a lot more than we probably have time to talk about now. But, uh, yeah, like, it was a good match. Uh I enjoyed it. Like both will improve. Uh, Devil Sammy especially just becomes so much more interesting as a performer as JWP goes on. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I I wasn't expecting 
devil to be the the baby face in this situation because you know um i'm used to baby face dying my consign i'm used to heal devil masami so this was a bit a bit like jarring for me but you know i i enjoyed it for what it was i really thought it was a a really good match um yeah, like you said, JWP produces some really high-quality matches. Um, obviously, we don't have a ton to pick from, so my, do- my dogs disagree with me on that one. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, there, we don't have a lot to pick from, so it probably is just the top of the top of the food chain that we're watching. So it's sort of it's sort of biased, but I do think that they have some some really good just basics and fundamentals. Um. If you want to talk a bit more about that for a few seconds while I shut my dogs up, that would be great. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like the, I think the the mix of the wrestlers who would go on to form LLPW and the wrestlers who'd go on to form JWP definitely helps. Just the in ring style, uh, like as I said earlier, the house style is just so good that it can produce good matches like this because it's, you know, seeing people give hard kicks and just drop each other on their heads is always going to be somewhat interesting no matter what. So, I mean, I definitely think the the mid card and maybe the lower card matches are, are not as good. And as somebody who has seen like full JWP shows from around this time, definitely the lower card and mid cards could sometimes drag, but like the top of the card stuff was just insanely good. Um, as we'll see in the next match, I suppose. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the next match, the 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 previous match took place on um November eleventh, nineteen ninety. This match takes place on Christmas Eve of nineteen ninety, so it's a bit further in the timeline. But is Mayumi Ozaki versus Rumi Kazama? Uh, obviously we both know Ozaki for for various reasons because you know she's mm-hmm. absolute legend. Um, I I know Kazama. I've all I've watched matches of Kazama, but I'm a lot less familiar with her. So when she came out to lo- "You Give Love a Bad Name," I was automatically hooked. Um, she cannot lose. Uh, she will not suffer because that song is an absolute banger, and I respect her for that. Um, that was my first. <laughs> that was my first. Like my first <laughs> thought is that she she got she got a good theme song. It's 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 in the bag for her. Um, Obviously, Ozaki is the super heel. She's always been the super heel, except for when she wasn't. Um, but you know, she's like today. She has she has Oz Academy, and she's great. She has Oza- o- Ozaki Gun, and she's just she's great heel. Um, Kazama's a really good babyface foil for her. So I think this match went very well. Um, it was very like prototype, I'd say. It was very like this is exactly what you want out of a baby face versus heel match in Joshi Wrestling in 1990. Um, and yeah, even in 1990, Ozaki has a bunch of goons to attack her opponents. Um, some things never change, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, I remember like I saw somebody run over to attack Kazama as she was coming into the ring, and I was like, what, what the hell's going on? And then when Ozaki called them off, I was like, oh, they must be with her. And I researched it, and I think her name is Gurinkor, uh, the G-U-R-E-N. I don't know how you pronounce it, but she was the leader of that stable for until JDPP ended. So that was her heel faction that attacked Kazama before the match. But then she she called them off, and they stayed away for the rest of the match. So I get the vibe that this was a big match, and that this was like... Okay, we've been feuding for a while. 
My goons have helped me win before, but I'm going to win this one on my own. I mean, she doesn't win it on her own, but she she respects Kazama by the end of it. Yeah, it was it was probably the year-end main event because, like I said, the place that I found this said that these were the best JWP matches of 1990. So I assume that was the main event of the last show, given that it's in late December. Um, and it definitely delivered. Uh, char- like I said, character-wise, these two are perfect together. Um, I think that just like the they were both great technicians, which I think definitely helped. That was very like cohesive in that it's like they were both doing similar moves. They had similar move sets. You know, Kazama would throw in a few like dives and a few you know bigger like flashy moves, whereas um, Ozaki would throw in a few like rough you know heel moves. But they were very similar just in their performance, and I really enjoyed how they meshed together. Um, this this match, in my opinion, was not as good as the Miss A versus Devil Masami match, simply because it was probably because it was after. Like I watched them both consecutively, and um, in the in the Miss A versus Devil match, the the submission holds. I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, I was like enjoying them. I was enjoying the match, but in this one, the submission holds started feeling a bit repetitive near the end, um, which you know is is bound to happen every once in a while. It, again was probably a part of just like i wasn't in the mood to watch a a more slow burn of a match but that is a testament to to jwp back in the day is that i am not a big fan of slow burn wrestling in joshi in joshi you know like that's not what i look for um but they did it well you know they consistently did it well obviously his matches were not as long as um kendori versus harley saida which we watched a couple months ago but they were on the longer side they were both um around 15 minutes i believe and they both did very well um with the more slow burn methodology uh but yeah i wasn't as into this match as the the first one personally um yeah i mean i don't think it's any uh anything offensive to say that this wasn't as good as a as a kanzai versus masami match to be fair like we're talking about two of just the all-time best in say and masami so it's it's no shame that this match didn't you know didn't exceed it but it definitely like there wasn't a lot between them like this wasn't a lot worse or anything it just wasn't as good i think it's the best way to put it and yeah this for sure better you know what i mean like it wasn't a lot worse but it wasn't better either yeah i'd say i'd say i definitely agree with that um the the finishing the finishing stretch was really good in my opinion i think ozaki um she hit she hit this beautiful German suplex. I think it was out of I think it was like a chaos theory, but she like was sort of like weird with it. Um so it was just a German suplex, but that German suplex was absolutely beautiful. Um and she like she didn't win with it. Um the actual finish after there was German suplexes, you know, like like I feel like there's a power bomb somewhere in there. there it was a really good um closing stretch. The the win came after a lateral press reversal. So Kazama made got the win um, after simply pinning her opponent. <laughs> I, I love I love that finish because it's it's sort of like you know a bunch of moves, a bunch of like high spots, a bunch of this, a bunch of that, you know, a bunch of build, and then it's like I will simply pin you, and she <laughs> did, and she got the dub, and it was it was great. Um, like I said. Uh, another great match. There, there's not, there's not a ton to to discredit from it. I think that was just really good. Um, Kazama, like I said, 
Am I pronouncing her name right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, okay. Because I don't know why I just thought I didn't for a second. Kazama, she really... um. I feel like a lot of JWP is very good at at the the fundamentals. I I, I love the term "don't sweat the technique," but they one hundred percent sweat the technique. They are all about the fucking technique, and I love it. Um, you have to be in a certain mood for it, I think. So I think if I if I watched this when I was more in like a intuitive mood, I would probably love these matches more than like half the matches that I've watched in the past month. But you know, I'm, I'm I wasn't really. I was just like wanting to watch wrestling. So. Maybe maybe that's why they're a little bit like I rank them a little bit lower than I would maybe on any other given day. Um, if you want to, we can talk a little bit about the Kandori versus Harley Saito match again because I was I watched it the other day. I'm not sure when's the last time you watched it. It was probably when we watched it the first time. But that match is so fucking good. Like you, you didn't have to watch it. I'm just saying it's just so good. Like straight up, we're gonna have a year end awards award in December. And right now I think that's probably match of the year for me. Um absolutely amazing. I just look back at it and I watch it and I'm just like Harley Saito is a legend. Shinobu Kendori is a legend and they're both earlier on in their careers, but they still absolutely killed it and I cannot implore our our wonderful listeners enough to go watch that if you haven't. And if you have, watch it again, because it's amazing. Um, I think that that's like, I, I say perfect wrestling match, not saying it's the greatest match, wrestling match of all time, but I'd say that it was so well done that it is perfect. If there wasn't a lot more that could have been done to make it any, well, no, not like that. I, I'm, I'm confusing myself, but I think that was a really amazing match. I think that you should watch it and... Alex, if you have anything to say about that match that we watched months ago, go ahead. Because I was, I, I was watching it the other day, and I love it. I mean, I was initially going to take things in a different direction, but I'm okay with this. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched it since we last recorded, but it still stands up to me as one of the best matches that I've seen personally. Um, like, it's just everything's perfect about it. The intensity is there. It's always exciting. It's always interesting. There's different phases of the match. Like, you can see the story unfold. Um, and then they just, I mean, Saito just kicked the shit out of Kandori, and Kandori beat the shit out of Saito, and you just can't ask for much more. Um, and it's hard to see AJW having a match this year, or even next year, that will beat the the Saito-Kandori match for me. Yeah, it's 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 likely a race for number two, in my opinion. Like that's 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 mm-hmm. my that's the question for me is what AJW match is going to take number two. I have to go back and look at my personal match ratings that I've made. I need to go back and watch some some of them good old uh, Suzuki Minami and Akira Hokuto versus Fire Jets matches. I need you know I need a, I need a research list to make sure that that like who gets number two. But I think number one is pretty pretty clear for me what direction were you looking to take this in alex because um i i was gonna comment on your fundamentals part and i was gonna say i know jackie sato was involved heavily in founding jwp and i was gonna say like i wonder if she was the trainer as well because fundamentally solid was the the main thing you'd get from late 70s AJW, which is when Sato was at her peak. 
So I was going to maybe speculate that Sato had a hand in training a lot of these wrestlers because, you know, uh, Saito, she trained like Jagger Ayakota and Devil Masami. And, you know, I, you could see a lot of that era of AJW in some of these JWP matches. So, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, and I'm not sure if you even know who Jackie Sato is or anything like that, but I, I was going to speculate that maybe based on your observation of how good their fundamentals are and how good they are technically, that maybe Sato had a hand in training everybody. I do know who Jackie Sato is, and I do know that you're a big Jackie Sato, Mark, so I'm not surprised that you would bring her up in any way that you possibly can. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like I remember seeing her credited at least with Kandori, um, so I'm sure that she was like training some of the wrestlers, and if not, um, she was training the wrestlers who would go on to train the wrestlers, so I think that she definitely has a, a lineage there, and she definitely has a... a like, you're, you're right in that in that regard, I also think that it's a big part. Um, like you said, Kazama and and Kandori, they both bring the 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 realness to it. You know, Kandori, obviously judo world champion. You know, she went to the she was planning on going to the Olympics, but it wasn't entertaining enough for it wasn't interesting enough to for to go to the Olympics. So she started doing pro wrestling. I think that the the you know mix of styles, the the shooters, um, really improved this and. Going, you know, going forward, obviously it's a while away, but JWP would split into LPW, JWP, and it would be the shooters versus the, um, what was the JWP called? I remember they had a name. Oh, like the, I don't know, the Entertainers, maybe. Yeah, like so, like yeah, along those lines. I feel like it was a derogatory um, name because the the shooters really didn't like them. <laughs> yeah, probably, but you know, like yeah, yeah, shooters is such a badass name, and it's like, oh yeah, and all the all those losers over there who who you know. But, but you know, like, it, it eventually splits, but then you still see somebody like Dynamite Kinsai, who's in JWP, and she has those, like, shoot-style fundamentals. Same with Ozaki. She goes to JWP, she still has those shoot-style fundamentals. And I think that, you know, like you said, I'm sure Sato had a, had a hand in it, but I think that the next generation who we're watching like right now or, or we would have watched two years ago if we were watching JWP in like 88, 89. Um, they definitely had a hand, like J like Sato probably trained them or had an influence on them and then they influenced the rest of these. So if not Jackie Sato, I definitely know what you mean that that influence is definitely here in JWP. Um, other than that, I don't know. I think that we don't have much else to say. I have a few things to, to finish up, but it's a bit of a shorter episode. I apologize. Um, this was really last minute. Like, we, we've been planning on doing this for a while, and I usually watch the matches, like, night before because I want them fresh in my brain. I know Alex does that most of the time, too. Um, and yesterday, I realized that that the third match on Classics Episode 42 was from WrestleMarine Piad, and... I didn't want to watch that yet because, you know, that's that's our special thing. That's going to be our big show um, in a few months if you guys still listen because this is going off the rails real quick. But, <laughs> but you know, um, so I was a bit all over the place. We only had these four matches. If, if we had the, the third match in AGW Classics, it probably would have still been pretty short because it was only three matches. But... Overall, I'd say I enjoyed all of these matches. I, I wouldn't say any of them were bad. Um, Mika Hoda versus Nishiwake was not really much of a match, but I wouldn't even call that bad. I would just say it was lacking in, like, 
importance, even though it should have been important because it was her retirement match. But I digress. It was it was fine. I think the entire show, uh, both the classics and the best of JWP, were very enjoyable. Um, I had a good time. I hope you had a good time, Alex. How do you feel overall about today's show? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been watching a lot of wrestling lately. I've kind of really not been in the humor, I guess, to watch it, which it happens to everybody. Um, so I, I, watching these felt like a bit of a chore at times. But the best thing I can say is that, you know, the, the JWP matches did hold my interest. Like, they did get me excited at some parts. Like, I even gift one of the spots from the Ozaki match. That's how, that's how enjoyable it was. Ooh. So even... Yeah, so even though I wasn't in the humor to watch wrestling, I still, you know, I still enjoyed the JWP stuff. And I thought, like, Aja and Bull set up their next match really well, even if the match itself wasn't amazing. Um, So, I mean, like, I, I wasn't having the best time in my life, but I was entertained, which, I mean, Joshi will always entertain you. It's 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 just that good. Um. This episode is short. There's just there's no point in us faffing on about stuff that's not important. Um, people do want to hear more of us. We we have a Stardom podcast like every week where we talk for over an hour, uh, called Stardom Quest. So if you really desperately want more of me and Dylan talking about Joshi, you can listen to that. I guess. I was about to plug that right after you. And and when you said that that Joshi always always gives you a little bit of entertainment, I want you to hold that thought because next month we have the FMW special, ladies and gentlemen. We are watching all FMW Joshi matches from around September to November. Um, we're watching all of the Joshi matches from FMW we can find. Um, that includes the 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 street fight between between Combat Toyota and Megumi Kudo that includes Combat Toyota winning the the internet the independent wrestling championship um, after a tournament that includes a young Sharky and a young Crusher in a tag team match. I personally love the Mad Dog Militia. They aren't the Mad Dogs yet, but I love them regardless. So that is next month, ladies and gentlemen. Please stay tuned. FMW. We love we love the hardcore shit, don't we, Alex? Of course we do. We love death matches. I don't care what you think, Alex, because death matches rule, and nobody can tell me otherwise. And I really made you sound like you hate death matches. I'm just gonna leave it like that. I'm not allowing you to talk because <laughs> I want you to get heat, brother. But death matches, great time. FMW, great time. Fuck ghetto. Month after that, we have Wrestle Marine Piad. So please stay tuned. Obviously, we've had we've had a few a few ups and downs here and there over the past couple of months. My mic was always sort of eh. I got a new mic. Hopefully, it's not too loud. It probably is very loud because I'm a loud person. But still, please stay tuned. I think we have a lot of fun stuff coming up in December. We have the the Joshi Awards, as I as I previously stated. Um, I don't know what else we're gonna do in December because there was literally no Joshi shows in December. So we're gonna figure that out on the way. But you love us. You love Victory Through Guts. Please tell your mother, tell your father, tell your daddy, tell your, I said daddy twice, tell your sister, tell your dog, tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor's dog to listen to the best classic Joshi podcast around, Victory Through Guts. Ijo, 